guys, this is Alora. Um, I am a junior at Harvard studying history with a focus on indigenous studies jointly with social anthropology. And today I am once again joined with my co-host, Sean Littlehorn. Sean, if you just want to briefly introduce yourself once again, that'd be fantastic. Al Madakiapi. We'll see you, Sean Littlehorn and Machiapi. Good uh my relatives. Uh, my name is Sean Littlehorn. My English name is Sean Littlehorn. My Lakota name is Nape Suta, which means strong hand. Come to you from the great Aglala Lakota Nation uh, on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in the boundaries of South Dakota and just uh, excited for another opportunity and platform to to just share with you um, what our lives are like every day uh, here in, in, in the Aglala Lakota Nation. Yes, thank you so much, Sean. Thank you so much for hopping on. Um, and thank you for the fantastic conversation last time. I'm looking forward to this one today. Before we get started, I just wanted to give an acknowledgement of land and people um, for Harvard. So Harvard University is located on the traditional ancestral land of the Massachusetts, the original inhabitants of what now is known as Boston and Cambridge. We pay respect to the people of the Massachusetts tribe past and present and honor the land itself, which remains sacred to the Massachusetts people. Um, Just, you know, want to make sure we are acknowledging the land we are on, the land that was taken and remembering um, those that were here and the original inhabitants of the land before us. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited to talk about this. This topic is, I mean, as much of our topics will be, it's going to be heavy hitting. Um, But today we are discussing MMIW or MMIP, which stands for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women or Missing and Murdered Indigenous People. So if you haven't heard about it, which, I mean, due to the lack of media coverage is possible, um, when it comes to Indigenous women who are 20 years of age or younger, the third leading cause of death is murder. And that is so, I mean, it's so disgusting to hear that that's the case and that that's, you know, one of the leading causes of death for women so young and for women, period. Like, and the fact that it's happening, you know, prominently with Indigenous women begs the question of what's going on, you know, what's happening, what is causing this, and why are we, you know, giving enough recognition and attention to these, you know, Indigenous people that lives are being stolen from them. Um, and it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's extremely difficult. And I know that Sean, um, I know that on the Lakota, like on the Pine Ridge Reservation, I know that you guys have precautions that you guys take, you know, for your daughters and for your, you know, the the um, the people in general, you know, in the tribe, uh, just being safe and wary about what's around them and the precautions. And so today we're going to be talking about, you know, what Indigenous people have to fear for in, in their own homes, on their own lands, you know, even if it's just stopping by the gas station or you know, walking outside real quick about the possible dangers that kind of are there and how can we as allies or we fight for, you know, these indigenous peoples um, and fight for their lives to be, you know, given the value that they deserve, their lives to be recognized and, you know, to be fought for. And so we have some, you know, brief statistics to kind of show you how how many people this is impacting. So in 2023, the National Criminal Justice Training Center of um, Fox Valley Technical College had found from 2020 to that 84% of indigenous women had experienced, had experienced violence of some kind. That's more than four out of five women. They also found that 40% of sex trafficking victims are indigenous women as well. 
that 56% of Indigenous women experience some kind of sexual violence in their lifetime, and that 48.8% have been stalked at least once in their lifetime. And these are horrifying statistics. For Indigenous women, the norm is to experience and to kind of essentially anticipate violence. And it's so disheartening that we aren't seeing, you know, federal governments and state governments doing enough even if laws are passed, funds are not brought with it to actually enforce them. And so today we'll be talking about, you know, kind of what's possibly leading to this, why it's not being talked about enough. And so, you know, Sean, if you want to kind of take it from there, if you have anything else to add to kind of the start of this conversation, that'd be amazing. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate, I appreciate, again, the platform and the opportunity to talk about it, because the truth is we live in a society that's very polarized because of social media and so you know we think that people are either far left or they're far right and and for us as Lakota people or indigenous people um, you feel like that not a whole lot of people care not a lot of whole people uh, a whole lot of people um, understand you or or know what you're going through but what I found is is that as people know that what we understand is that genuinely people care the truth is is that they just don't know and the reason's very systematic the reason that it's that way is is on for that reason for on purpose it's been done for a cause but it's our truth it's our life it's what we live every day you shared a little bit you know i have a 23 year old daughter and you know every time that she you know leaves and goes to the store she goes there you know she leaves to say hey i'm going there hey i've arrived hey i'm leaving again and that has to be our reality. And it's not from being overprotected. It's because if you take three indigenous women and you put them in a room, one of those women has already been raped in their life. You know, think about that. Think of you and nine of your friends going out. If you if you were, you know, from, you know, all 10 were indigenous from tribal lands, the truth is three to four of you would have already been raped in your life. You know, as you mentioned, some of those stats that are that are really hard to deal with eight out of eight out of the 10 of you that were in that room would have already experienced violence in their life. And so this is, you know, I think one of the statistics that really resonates with me and it'll lead, I think, into later discussions when we talk about this is that the last time that the United States or the national crime information center tracked um, the statistics on this was 2016. Mm. In 2016, there were 5,712 reports of missing uh, American Indian Alaska Native women, uh, in you know that in in the Department of Justice, uh, you know it's supposed to come in and oversee these, right? So you got five thousand seven hundred twelve that they are known, no telling how many more that are actually out there, but five thousand seven hundred twelve that are reported, but out of those, only one hundred and sixteen had actually been put into the Department of Justice uh, database and and tracked and had a chance to be found so the truth is for 90 plus percent of them they're either never going to be found or if they are found you know murdered or whatever the case is there's a 90 plus percent chance that they're they're uh the committer of the crime is never going to be brought to justice and that is simply uh is is and that's not the right word to use probably but it's very uh it's very important to understand the bulk of this comes down to the laws that the United States, the systematic oppression that has been put into place, and most people would object to, most people would be against if they just knew what we face every single day within our tribal nations here in the United States. 
Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Sean. And, and like, as you mentioned, you know, people would support this, of course. I mean, I support, you know, fighting for these missing, you know, Indigenous people, fighting for, you know, more kind of media and more attention to it. And, and so it begs the question of like, why is, doesn't this have as much media traction, you know, as cases of, you know, women who may be, you know, white women or women of European descent, you know, it's like when Gabby Petito mentioned, or sorry, went missing, as we talked about um, previously, you know, in a different conversation, you know, when she went missing, there was news everywhere about her and about, you know, trying to find her and locate her and all this stuff. And it's just crazy to see that it, there's been such an extensive, you know, um, or such an obvious, sorry, pattern with indigenous women, indigenous people going missing and nothing happening. It doesn't make sense to me why there's no media coverage on it, why it's lacking, you know, why we aren't hearing it as much in the news and why we have to depend on, like, you know, not saying we should depend, but why essentially like indigenous people are forced to be the ones that are fighting for their, you know, just for safety and recognition of the lives that are being lost and the lives that will be lost. And it's, it's terrible. And, you know, that's part of this conversation's like goal is to help raise awareness and to show people and let them know of the monstrosities that are occurring and the monstrosities that are being ignored and overlooked. You know, these things that are occurring that are recognized, you know, the FBI has lists on missing um, and murdered indigenous peoples. You know, the, the U.S. government's released things. The Bureau of Indian Affairs has released things. But then why, why isn't the media picking up on it? Why are we not actually seeing change and seeing a true fight against this, you know, this mass killing and harm of indigenous peoples? And I think, you know, it's, there's so much that we could talk about there. You know, there's so many things that go into it that go into, okay, you know, where and when are the increases in violence towards indigenous people, um, especially indigenous women. And like, we can definitely touch on that, but I mean, um well I, I think you bring up an important part right mm -hmm. like again going back to people just don't know yeah and the fact that they don't know is not a mistake it's intentional mm -hmm. it's set up that way for a reason i mm -hmm. i've said this before if we could get 10 percent of the time put on our missing and murdered indigenous people as these news uh cast people have put on hunter biden's laptop or <laughs> or you know any of these other subjects that yeah uh, that are not life and death that we are yeah. facing every day it's it's intentional it's not an accident and here's why because our faces as indigenous people are the reminder of this nation's sin mm -hmm. but see they have convinced the mainstream the the majority of america has been convinced that the crimes against Native Americans were something in the past. They were the Indian Relocation Act. They were the Trail of Tears. They were the cutback on rations. They were the broken treaties, although broken treaties still does apply to the problem today. This is not a just a historic injustice of the past. This is a historic injustice of the present. Mm -hmm. Because if you humanize us, you see, this society has been put in a place where we are dehumanized as indigenous people. Mm -hmm. As indigenous people, we are looked at as still less than humans. We are the, the, the only race that is acceptable to still be a mascot in 2023. We're the only race where our people are being, uh, are, are seeing 98% of our people aren't finding justice for their crimes when they come against them. And here's why. If the United States of America, if the national media humanizes us, 
if they let you understand that we're not just people on horses of the past, but we are people living in a struggle today, then it's going to ask the question. If the media says, and they put out there, like we're talking about in this podcast, that one in three women are going to be raped, that 84% are going to experience violence. If they put out these numbers that say over, you know, over, over half of them, you know, have gone through different stalking processes and all of these things. If they do that, then, then the people that are, that are truly allies that are awoken are going to say, wait a minute, why is this happening? And when they ask, why is this happening? The flashlight is going to go right back to the United States of America and their violation of the U.S. Constitution, their violation of treaties, and their violation of our sovereignty right to protect our people. Our issue, the supermajority of our issue, is because of the laws that the United States of America has allowed to be in the place, or even if they have changed them, have not ever executed them or overseen them or put them into place. So that's the reality. They hide our struggles so that they don't have to deal with the truth. And the truth is, is that they're responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're 100% correct here, Sean. I mean, the, the U.S. is responsible for this. I mean, and it's disgusting to see the lack of care, as we mentioned, as we talked about the statistics that are so alarmingly, you know, high and so prevalent. Like we're, I mean, not experiencing these, you know, things as a woman, as a indigenous person is the rarity. And it's like, it's horrible to hear that. And, you know, I feel like you tell anyone, you know, out there like, hey, this is the reality of indigenous people. And they're like, oh, my goodness, that's, you know, how can we fix that? How can we help? And so, you know, you instead of us hearing about Joe Jonas and Sophia Turner, Turner, you know, getting divorced and what's who's Taylor Swift dating now? Like, I, I, you know, I enjoy Taylor Swift's music, but I I like it, too. (laughs) There are more pressing issues. You know, there are lives being taken. There are lives being lost Mm -hmm. that are being stolen. There are people who being whose autonomy and personhood is being violated. And it's just it's always frustrated me and disgusted me to see that, you know, we, the media covers such frivolous things on like celebrity random livelihoods instead of focusing on, you know, hundreds, thousands of people who are losing their lives or who have lost their life and life. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I, you know, that we're able to, that you're able to come on here, Sean, and we can have a great discussion to hopefully help, you know, the thousands of victims, you know, maybe find justice one day to raise awareness, to help prevent, you know, some victims in the future, you know, just to be there to help in some capacity to raise awareness, to actually have laws that have been passed to, to help missing and murdered indigenous peoples, to actually become useful by gaining funding and actually gaining enforcement. Um, and it's, it's definitely a tricky thing. I mean, I feel like in the U.S. there's always some kind of hidden motive when it comes to things and we can definitely see it here especially as we talk about you know who is perpetuating you know this violence and most of the time it's not indigenous you know if they're non-indigenous perpetrators and you know it kind of begs the question of okay what's going on you know what's happening and you know it just it raises a lot of questions um and so like you know i i know that you know i've seen like in, in media and i'm sure maybe other people have as well about the like protests of like various pipelines in mm-hmm. like over like in, in indigenous land you know kind of like you said breaking treaties you know uh, uh, ignoring it but what people don't realize is how much deeper the issue is it's not i mean sure yes they are 
coming in, they're, you know, ignoring the, they're ignoring the treaties they have signed. They're ignoring um, tribal sovereignty. They're violating it. They are, you know, making the water toxic and the environment toxic through the, you know, the oil and whatnot. But they're also endangering the indigenous women of the area. Um, do you want, I mean, I guess, do you yeah. want, do you want to start there, Sean? Yeah, I think that's a great place because one of the things that's important to understand in this process, if you've not very, been very familiar with it, you're saying, okay, well, how has, how has this happened? And the first reason that it is happening is because there is a gray area that the for crime that is tribal lands. I, I know a lot of people become very fond of the the show Yellowstone, right? And and in that show, they have a place called the train station where they drop off drop off bodies because it's this one little loophole area where there is no jurisdiction there. And so the first problem is the jurisdiction issue that the United States of America has signed treaties with our nations. And the only people that they sign treaties with is other nations. And we have been granted through the U.S. Constitution, Article 6, Section 2, all treaties of the supreme law of the land. We have the right to operate as a sovereign nation, a nation within a nation, but a sovereign nation. The problem is, is that the the government is also set up with the complexity of tribal versus non-tribal when they're on our land. So we know that a lot of our tribal lands have casinos, right? So people come down to casino and while they're on our land and they commit a crime, the super majority of those crimes, are we're not allowed to prosecute them. So if, if somebody was to, to, to walk into the casino and I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm playing cards or I'm doing whatever and somebody comes up and they just, you know, just, just slap me across the face. The only option that our tribe has is to escort them off the land. We cannot prosecute them because they are not tribal citizens. And now this is the, the the beginning of the huge loophole that it is. Because, you know, if Brittany got, Griner gets arrested in Russia, she's prosecuted in Russia. And the only way to get her back is negotiations to get her back. If we go over to Canada or Mexico and you commit a crime, you're going to be held accountable by that government. But the United States of America will not allow us in the supermajority of cases to actually bring any action or to actually bring anything against the perpetrators of this crime, the very ones that are causing this issue. So that's number one. So then number two is, is the people that are being invited into our tribal land that are basically giving unwielding sovereignty to do whatever they want with no consequences. Because remember, we talked about that number, right? 5,712 in 2016. The only agency that's able to to oversee these issues more times than not is the, the the FBI, the Department of Justice. These are the people that can oversee and prosecute both tribal and non-tribal uh, or non-tribal people on tribal land. 5,712, only 116 actually <laughs> logged into the database, right? So what happens is these people come onto our land and most of them, the super majority of them are actually coming on our land to extract from our land. They're coming on to build pipelines or to, to, to bring pipe, you know, to bring oil through, or they're mining for, for lithium or uranium or whatever it is. And they come onto our land and they're allowed to pretty much do whatever they want without fear of repercussion. And so because of that, this is where the super majority of our, uh, our murders happen. The super majority of our rapes happen are actually from this type of situation. And I'll give you an example, and, and to me, one of the saddest uh, the saddest parts to know where we are 
as a country, at least as where we are is what matters to our political leaders, if you will. And that is simply the fact that I, I knew a person that served in the Obama administration. And while she was in the Obama administration, she was a Lakota sister. She was in the Obama administration. They actually passed a law. And it was, it was, you know, as a part of the, uh, the, the uh, victims, uh, I can't think of the technical name, but the, the crime against women act uh, that Obama passed. And inside of that, he gave tribes the freedom to prosecute people who committed sexual crimes or abuse against our people here on the land. But there was an asterisk there. And that asterisk was that for that to happen, for them to be able to prosecute them, that that person had to be in a relationship with the person that the crime was committed against. Well, that's less than 10% of the crimes that happen uh, in our, our nation. So I asked her off the record, uh, you know, and that's why I won't use her name here. And I didn't ask her during the interview, but I said, I just want to know, like, like, look, that's a step forward, right? Like it, it is progress, but it's, it's not a lot of progress. Why didn't he go all the way? Why didn't president Obama just say, if, if you commit a crime on tribal land, you will be prosecuted by tribal police. You will be uh, uh, prosecuted by the, 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 the justice system that they have in place. Why didn't he go that far? And she said he wanted to. He tried to. She said, but the problem was, is that there were people on both sides of the aisle, both Republican and Democrat, who a, a majority of their political donations come through extraction companies, oil companies, if you will. And they said they would not vote against it because they knew that the number one uh, offender in these crimes, the number one uh, person that commits these crimes are people that are from these extraction companies, whatever type that might be. And, and that blows my mind that here we sit all of these years later, all of these years of injustice, here we sit and still Washington, D.C. is telling us that political donations from oil company is more important than our women, our children, and our two-spirit people that are the most vulnerable. It is more important than our safety. And remember, we're dual citizens, right? Like we have citizenships within our tribal nation, but we are also citizens of the United States of America. And we are told that even as citizens of the United States of America, you do not matter as much as our political donations do. And that is the very root of the problem. And that it's that's horrendous. That's this is the reality that 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 you know indigenous people indigenous people live in. And I mean, we see this, you know, of course, in the case of missing and murdered indigenous people um, with children, as we talked about in the last you know discussion about like you know CPS and the legalized stealing and kidnapping of indigenous children through you know the child welfare system. That at the end of the day, you know, money or power or whatever it is is more important than indigenous lives and. It's, I mean, it's horrifying and, and people need to see that. People need to see what the government is doing and, and how they are aware of these issues and they are aware of what's going on and they choose to look the other way for their own personal gain. And I don't, I just like, I don't even, like, what, what can we even do with that? Like, how can we trust an institution who was founded with slaughtering and mass genocide, right? On indigenous peoples who has never 
ever upheld or like supported really their agreements with indigenous peoples and who has continually committed cultural genocide, which is genocide against indigenous peoples. Even today, it's not a past issue. Like we say, it, it, like, like people say, it's a current issue. Like, as you've mentioned, Sean, like it's still existing. And it's like, how can we count on them to even like, you know, fight on this and like actually do something. And you know what, even if we can't, like, that's why we need allyship. That's why we need people to be talking about this. You know, you get enough voices that are enough people that hear what's going on and that see the truth and what's happening and see that it's being ignored for a reason. And that these indigenous peoples, you know, the children and the women in the two spirit lives who are more vulnerable, you know, whose lives are at stake and are, you know, being taken from them we need like the allyship we need you know we need the masses that we need, we need the masses to come in we need the voices and we need that help and i mean and you know we just gotta we gotta keep yelling and we gotta keep talking about it but i mean it's interesting like even sorry go ahead mm-hmm. yeah you said it perfect though uh you know how, how does this change come about yeah and, and the change comes about how it always has and that is through warriors but it's a different kind of warrior than mm-hmm. we saw in the past and and what it's going to come through is is really the you want to know the 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 group that's most primed to make this happen and bring real change. It's actually the people that are listening to this podcast. It it is people that are educating themselves. They're getting into the political understanding, the political spectrum, because the the warriors of tomorrow or or today in reality, the warriors of today aren't going to be on horseback. They're not going to be you know, doing guerrilla warfare, the warriors of today are going to be in the, in the voting booth. They're going to be in the, in the courtrooms mm-hmm. fighting and, and they're going to be in the political spectrums because until we navigate that system, understand mm-hmm. as Lakota people, we talk about this a lot, the, 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 the trials and, and struggles and, and, and situations of people are very different. Mm-hmm. For instance, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, the Seminole, the Muskegee Creek, the, the five civilized tribes, their experience was very different than ours as Lakota people where they were, you know, the government came in and just kind of removed them of their land. There wasn't a whole lot of fighting for it. Right. Like mm-hmm. they just said, okay, you go to Oklahoma and everything west of that will, you know, as long as the, the wind blows and the water flows, like you'll always have that land to live free, free from us. And of course that, <laughs> that didn't work out for them, obviously as, as yeah. they to expand West, but for us as Lakota people, you know, and, and is is we're now in Native American Heritage Month, right? And we talk about mm-hmm. we we actually were winning these wars. We we won the 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 Red Clouds War, the two year war, and they came with a treaty and they said, Listen, if you let us expand west and you go here and we'll do this and we'll do that. And we said, Sure, like we don't want to fight, we want to live in peace. You know, long as we have the Black Hills, our 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 spiritual Mecca, sure, we're we're willing to to agree to this. But what happens when gold gets into the, they find out there's gold in the Black Hills, they begin to come in, our backs are against the wall now because we put ourselves in a vulnerable situation, trusting their word that they mm-hmm. were going to keep it. We mm-hmm. put ourselves now in a vulnerable situation, no longer able to do the kind of warfare we were doing before. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, listen, it, the, the land that we're talking about, people always say, well, well, land gets lost in war. Land does get lost in war. That's the truth. And the truth is, is that throughout history, Land has been taken by war. I'm not disputing that. The problem is when you hear things like land back and things like that, our land was taken because of legal legal matters, our, uh, of, of the, the Constitution being manipulated and not followed by, by legal precedents being set that were illegal in their very nature. And the only way to undo that 
is for people that are listening, like listening to this podcast that say, you know what? I'm only going to vote for people who stand for uh, the honoring our treaties. I'm only, I'm going to fight the court case. I'm going to demand, not ask. I'm going to demand uh -huh. that the United States of America live up to their own laws. The United States of America is not all bad. And we talk about some of this stuff. Now, there are some great things about the United States that are here. It is not all bad, but this nation is never going to be who they claim to be until mm -hmm. they follow their own laws. We're not even saying follow our laws. We're saying follow, follow your laws. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is, mm -hmm. this is your constitution. Mm -hmm. These are your movements that you made and you said you would uphold. But the one thing that has been assured with the United States from the from their from the indigenous tribes all the way to this modern day, they're not very good at keeping their word when it comes to treaties with nations and agreements mm -hmm. with nations. And that's not going to change until a young generation like yourself and those that are listening rise up and says, enough, it's enough. If, if you're not going to do it, you're going to be removed. You're going to be voted out. We're going to put people in there mm -hmm. that are going to follow these, these statutes. We're going to, we're going to have people that are going to go to law school and they're going to demand that you follow the laws. Mm -hmm. Not asking, we're demanding it now. And yeah. that's where it's going to come from. And that's the only thing that's going to mm -hmm. change because there have been laws passed. Yeah. About this off the air, the Savannah's act. Mm hmm. Well, in theory, was a good act. You know, a a a a a a woman who went through a horrific experience that no human should ever have to go through. But out of that came the Savannah's Act. But there is absolutely zero progress mm -hmm. of that actually being something that's that's being funded or worked. We talked about the Indian Child Welfare Act last time, right? It's a federal law, mm -hmm. but we don't. But nobody's making South Dakota live up to it. Nobody can hold them accountable. Nobody can say, so we need people that are going to get laws passed and are going to make them stick. And that's where it's going to come. And that's why I'm so excited to be on this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Like you mentioned the Savannah's Act and, you know, it does have like great, you know, has a great kind of, it has great initiative, great message. You know, it has like, okay, it has like the potential, but as you mentioned, like the Savannah's Act, it doesn't grant any new funding. It only allows tribes or, you know, tribes to use funding from existing funding. And so, I mean, that could be the choice of, you know, allocating money from one thing to another. I know there, there's, there's a couple different layers to it. Uh, and, and again, it, it seemed good in the moment mm -hmm. because again, it was a bipartisan act. Like how often do you ever see bipartisan yeah. anymore? Um, and it, again, it was a, it, the, the idea, you know, behind it was, it was going to put it was going to put things into place. It was going uh -huh. to allow information to be collected quicker, uh, mm -hmm. shared resources quicker. Mm -hmm. um, it, and, and in theory, again, in theory, as most things, yeah. it, sounds, it sounds really good. Like we're going to have this system in place, this federal database. Mm -hmm. We're going to be able to, uh, tribes are going to be able to share information quickly with other, re but there's no money there. And here's yep. the thing. Um, uh, again, I, I want to go back in case they didn't hear the podcast before. You know, a lot of people have misconceptions about tribal land. They have the idea that we have this, everybody's got land and everybody, here's the truth. Most people in Pine Ridge don't own any land. Mm -hmm. Almost all the land in Pine Ridge is in trust. We are managers of the land. And so we have this obviously economic system where we cannot pass down, we can't pass down wealth. We don't get to pass down our house. We don't get to pass down our because most of those belong to the federal government. We are just managers of that land. So now you take this big mass land, right? So, so Pine Ridge is the size of Delaware and Rhode Island combined. Wow. And yet you take this big mass piece of land and you only put a handful of police officers on the land. 
there there's been times many times i'm not sure if we do right now but the majority of this previous year we didn't even have ambulance services on this mass piece of land we didn't even have the ability to be rushed to the one hospital that we have on this big mass piece of land because there because it's federal land it requires federal funding our, our the majority of our schools require federal funding and across the board most of those are underfunded you know um and and again not to get into right versus left or republicans versus democrats but you know when when donald trump came into office the first thing he did first day was he signed back for dapple to begin it to 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 build again through through standing rock right and then his first budget proposal was going to cut our police and our medical which we already don't have by 35 percent oh my, oh my you know, god it, it's, it, it's a constant battle like literally we don't have because of the size of the land Mm-hmm. And, and the 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 limited amount of funding we have, yeah. Can you imagine that a that the if you took Rhode Island and that's and 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 Delaware and you put that land together and and they don't even have ambulance service most of the time. Yeah, one hospital that may be an hour away from them. You know, if I go to a regular doctor, it's it's at least ninety minute one way, so it's a three hour drive no matter. Oh no my matter gosh. What um, and because of this lack of funding. Hmm. Uh, it's a constant struggle for anybody. Why, why, why can't we have equal, we have equal agents. We have equal agents in Pine Ridge that want to do the right thing. Why can't they do the right thing? Because they don't have the money. They don't have any resources. And so now you're saying, okay, you can do this, but yeah, you're not going to have any resources for it. Just pull it from some other place that you already don't have. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, we would prefer to fund every possible thing under the sun, except for to protect both indigenous and citizens of the United States. Again, it's it's a it's a constant loophole. It's a constant yeah. round and round and round. There is no money. Yeah. There is, there is no uh there there is no again, where else do you not have the 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 ability to be taken to the hospital if you have a heart attack? If you have a heart attack, you're gonna die. Did you know uh the numbers have changed a little bit? I'm not sure what they are now. But about 15 years ago, the average life expectancy for a male on Pine Ridge Indian Reservation was 49 years of age. We used to joke, used to count it down. Well, I got five more guaranteed years. (laughs) I got six more guaranteed. You know, whatever that number was at the time, we've only got, you know, and it's because we don't have adequate health care. We don't have clean water, right? They came in with funding for our water. They they created the Mini Wachone Water Act. Mini Wachone means water is life. They created the Mini Wachone Project. And what they did is they took... 90% 90% of the budget and it went out to the white ranchers who lease land on the outskirts and none of it went into the actual people that have to try to find water to drink who water to shower in whatever the case is this is the this is the life that we live and the other part and and I'll I'll be quiet for a moment at least but the other part of that is that level of poverty that level of poverty and the understanding that if you commit a crime, nobody's going to get to you. The police aren't going to be able to come out and, and help you. They're, they're not going to know. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have the resources to to even, you know, to to try to find you. There's no resources for it. So so the most vile criminals know this. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the big problems, we don't have extraction problems here with people extraction on Pine Ridge. We have truckers that will just drive through. And if you see a trucker, you need to call your neighbor and let them know there's a trucker driving through because they'll pick up a child and pick up a a young person and and they're never seen again and that's the reality of underfunding 
and and overregulating, not allowing us to run our own our own governments as we see fit. Wow, I mean, it's horrifying that they, you know, they the the government, you know, it's makes you choose. Okay, yeah, you can put money into you know trying to protect protect you know indigenous women and two spirits and children. But that means then you, you're going to have even, you know, more non-existent ambulance services or even like more non-existent, you know, policing services. And it's just like, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's like you have to, you know, you, it's like you have to pick lifelines. Like you have to say, okay, what, what lifeline am I, am I going to find? You know, what lifeline will we be able to fund? Um, which one you have to pick and choose? And that's horrible. Like you shouldn't have to, the government, I mean, we'll just it, close that. School. Yeah. You know, that one yeah. school that you have to already get 45 minutes to get to school at. We'll just close that one school. So now you got to go an hour and 15 minutes and then and then question and ask and wonder why less than half of our children are graduating from high school. It, it's all very systematic. It's all yeah. very intentional. And it's it's been this way for a long time. And the change, though, and I believe that change will happen. I believe that change is coming. The change are the people that listen to this podcast that say, you know what? Enough is enough. Yeah. Right is right and wrong is wrong. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, uh, Green Party, Libertarian, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Wrong is wrong. And we're going to hold the United States accountable because here's the thing. I'm always amazed how people will um, allow their politicians to break the law if it fits their objective. Both sides, not one side, both sides. Mm-hmm. But here's the United States of America to violate one part of the Constitution, you allow them to violate all parts mm-hmm. of the Constitution. Yeah. And yeah. we must hold them accountable. This is the law. And that that, you know, how how dare us? You know, we we get we get this a lot. Um, a, a lot of, uh, you know, other countries will point and say, you know, how how, how dare you criticize how we do when you're your uh, tribal, your indigenous people of the land don't have clean water, don't have running water a lot of times. There are major parts of major reservations, the Navajo Reservation, Pine. There are major parts that don't even have running water. It's not even a thing in their area. <laughs> and 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 we're criticizing and, and judging through a lens all the other countries. We got to clean up this mess. And it starts with the people listening today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, yeah, like it's, it's just crazy to hear you know, how much the U.S. has violated its own like laws it like it tries it, it claims up like you know uphold so highly that we claimed like oh this is the you know this is the law of the land we live or die but it's like oh no it's the law of the land when it's beneficial to us um when it when it brings us in the money that we want right when um when there's resources at stake you know when oil or gold or whatever it is comes in place where, you know they overlook it and it's it's terrible and it's like you know as you mentioned you know you have, like you said, like there's there's a possibility of violating it for indigenous peoples. There's a possibility for violating it further along the road. And you know, when we we've talked previously, like in our in a discussion just between you know we were talking, and it was the first time that we zoomed. You know, I was saying something along the lines of, you know, when when we see this like this inequality, right? When we see this violation of human rights, you know, I have always recognized that the second someone sees any group of people as unequal sees any group of people as greater than or less than that is that is the core problem right there isn't oh but they just view that you know women are less than oh they just view that people of color are less than. no it's a core problem because if it can apply to one group of people it can apply to all group of people and we have to recognize that at the heart of it 
you know, we can't just, we can't just, you know, excuse any kind of acknowledgement that, uh, that there, that people have differing values, right? Just because of, uh, you know, who they are. That's, you know, the second you allow that, the second you open up the door to viewing every single group as having differing values. And then that's where we come to issues, you know, where we see and we recognize, you know, there, you know, there are a lot of like other groups, like, of course, indigenous peoples have faced extreme systemic oppression. And we see, you know, systemic poverty coming to play and all this stuff. And we can see, you know, we see other like um, people of color, you know, in the BIPOC community who've also experienced things like that. And we have to recognize that at the end of the day, you know, this isn't, you know, a, a fight for one really is a fight for all here. Because when you are trying to fight for the, just the recognition that we are all humans and we deserve those basic human rights, um, you know, that's when you can really come together and start challenging the people who see differing values. And it's so important, especially like, you know, our most vulnerable groups, you know, we're only, we're only, we're only, you know, as strong as our most vulnerable groups. And we have to remember that. And you know, these indigenous women and these indigenous children and indigenous like two-spirit people, we have to, you know, make sure that we are raising awareness and talking about them and giving them the coverage and the and hopefully the justice they deserve. I mean, there are so many names. I mean, you can look up. There are, you know, various websites, you know, ran by indigenous peoples in the U.S. I mean, even in Canada as well, there's a bunch of the missing and murdered indigenous women. And they have just the names of, of victims of missing women who, you know, there it looks someone you know some like two people looked away for a second and the next thing they knew the child was gone or you know like just went out for like you said for like went out to get gasoline and then you know they never came home and it's just like we this has to be made note of like we have to talk about it and um we have to realize that money is the driver of why we aren't hearing about it that political power is the driver of why we're not hearing about it and we have to make sure that we're holding people accountable, that we are holding accountable, say, okay, you want to honor the constitution, then you must honor the sovereignty of tribes. You must honor, you know, the treaties in which you've been violating for hundreds of years. You must honor that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, I, I was just going to say, um, kind of going back to, well, first of all, when you made that statement about valuing and devaluing people, I've been trying to find a way to put that on a t-shirt ever since. I mean, that really, <laughs> really a prolific and profound yeah. way in a very real way. Um, I think that's, that's, that's very understandable. And I think made a lot of sense. And I've shared that several times since I, I appreciate that, mm -hmm. you know, for you sharing that. Um, I, I think that there are also things that we can do in the meantime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, while we talk about the long-term plan, mm -hmm. I, I think there are other things that we can do and that's simply to hold each other accountable mm -hmm. because see, I think a lot of times that, that it's not that we're, you know, how many things as a child did you think maybe we're, we're okay, but as you got older yeah. or, or decolonized or undoctrinated or whatever it was, mm -hmm. you begin to like, okay, that's, that's actually not okay. Right. Like yeah. mm -hmm. there's been so many good people who have really bad viewpoints yeah. years ago, but I think in general in society that that most people, if they know to do better, they'll do better. Mm -hmm. that yeah. Most people don't know. And so I think we have to educate ourselves on things that mm -hmm. other things outside of the media and, that dehumanize us as indigenous people. You know, yeah. uh, Halloween just passed. Mm -hmm. and, and that's always a, a real hard spot for us because, you know, people will 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 dress up. And you know, first of all, you know, it's like, oh, we're honoring you. Well, it's okay. I don't need your honor. I'm cool. You know, just <laughs> I don't need you to dress up like like my ancestors did years ago. 
to honor me. Um, but you know, it's the, it's also the sexualizing of our, our women, you know, mm-hmm. Pocahontas, we're talking about missing murder, indigenous women, the actual Pocahontas, not mm-hmm. the, not the fictionalized story that we received was actually one of the first ever human trafficked children, MMIW. Uh, mm-hmm. if you uh, she was one of the very first one. And so here we go in Halloween and we have all of these people. It's like, oh, it's cute. It's attractive. And so they, they sexualize and they, they they put this persona and and that's very harmful because it begins to carry that stereotype mm-hmm. and and people look at it i know they said look it's it's harmless and it seems harmless and maybe if just one of these examples in themselves was a sit-along thing maybe it would be harmless mm-hmm. but it's not because it's 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 a conjuncture of many other things you know the mascot discussion is always a hard one mm-hmm. people never really want to have that discussion because the truth is, like, like I've had over a decade, uh, I think I've said this with you before, over a decade of having a, a nationally syndicated sports talk show in the South covering mm-hmm. SEC college football, right? And and it's it's hard to to convince anybody that that mascots are an issue. Now we're not even going with the R word. That's that's just like a racial slur. Like that's something that we you do not call anybody, no matter what they what they tell you, no indigenous. A uh, person that's living this life, you know. So Washington newspaper comes up with this huge statistics of of natives that support it, but then they look and it says that identify. They're not like they're just people who said their great grandmother was Cherokee, you know. And so now they they have a, a a say on the matter. But here's the problem: it just dehumanizes us mm-hmm. like this. It 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 makes people forget that we're real. It makes people forget that we have real struggles. It makes people forget that. If you talk about the poorest counties in the United States, almost every single one of them are actually tribal nations. If you talk about, um, you know, the the missing murder indigenous women, if you talk about children being like, these are our realities. So when person looks, oh, it's just a, it's just a, uh, you know, it's just a, a headdress or it's just, no, it's a dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. It's making people not realize that we're here today. So I would just say like to challenge ourselves against those stereotypes. And yeah. so, you know what? I It's, you know, maybe i like to do the tomahawk shot you know maybe you do fine but but like is this is this a, another string in dehumanizing a people mm-hmm. if it is then let's not do it it's not really that important yeah. if, if if you're cheering for a, a team that has a native mascot challenge them to change it like it's not important but until the world gives us a seat at the table until we have a seat at the table to have a conversation like we should be able to, nothing's going to change on our end. And the truth is we're not going to have those until we begin to humanize. Hold your, hold your friends accountable, right? Mm-hmm. They're doing this thing. Hold them accountable in a good and in, in a non-aggressive way, you know, yeah. just, Hey, let, let's not do this because mm-hmm. this is, this is dehumanizes more. I can't tell you how many, how many games in South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming had to be canceled because of racial slurs being hurled at our kids from tribal school. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how many, you know, Arizona's another one with, you know, Arizona, there's a, there's a video we shared before where a state tournament volleyball, they had to, the, the, these, these poor young, uh, I believe they were Navajo young girls just bawling and crying because the crowd was chanting racial slurs at them, Redskins and, and savages and all of these things. And, and they're just in tears to the point they had to cancel a state tournament volleyball game because of the 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 amount of racism that was being hurled at these poor young children who not only lost out on had experienced that but they also didn't get to play in the tournament right they they had to yeah. forfeit the game 
that that's the reality for our tribal colleges when they go and play non-tribal colleges right they're going to hear you're a savage you're a red skin you're you know that's our reality let's let's end all of that and let's just look at us all as being human mm-hmm. like i'm proud to be lakota and i don't want to be white i don't want to be black i i celebrate anybody that's white i celebrate anybody that's black you have your history your heritage your culture be thankful for it you should be proud of it no reason to be ashamed i don't want to change who i am but at the center of who I am is a human being. Mm-hmm. And I have the right to be recognized as such. I have the right in the United States of America, if you know, for, for my my daughter to be able to travel to a gas station and not be afraid of being kidnapped. I have a right to clean water. I have a right that one day my grandkids aren't going to be snatched up by a system without without giving us any uh any any say or any ability to defend ourselves. We have a rights as humans. And until we, you, what you said so beautifully, I probably should have shut up there where you said it so perfectly. Let's stop devaluing human beings. Mm-hmm. Let's stop taking down the value of people and let's just respect each other. And that'll go a long way as we get to laws being yeah. changed. Yeah. And you're hundred percent right, Sean. Like it's, and it's just so saddening to hear like all this going on and like young girls in Arizona. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine, but you're right. The, like the hard work isn't, you know, reposting a post on Instagram. I'm like, yes, that's fantastic. And you know, I'm a person that I recognize kind of like the Instagram, like social warrior and like kind of how hip, you know, not hypocritical, but I guess, you know, that's kind of the extent a lot of people I feel as if um take that like kind of role of like, you know, trying to raise awareness and, um, you know, I specifically do it for like indigenous, you know, indigenous awareness. I do focus on that. You know, I do repost that because I do recognize that it just normally isn't heard and isn't, you know, seen. And so I do recognize the importance for that. But the hard work is the uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had many with my family, you know, I mean, of course, like there is not purposeful. There's, they're not, you know, they're not being malicious. Like there's no intent. It just sometimes it's just ignorance, you know. Um, and we all, like, not we all, but like, you know, a lot of times, especially depending on where you grow up, where you're from, whatever, like where, who raised you. I mean, there are things that come by where you, you might just not know, you might, you know, not be aware that something could be, you know, offensive or aware of like, okay, a problematic way of thinking or whatever. And, you know, you got to have the discussions with people, you know, I mean, it's I'm a prime example of, of yeah. situations like good intentions. So like, you know, growing up, you know, um, we were always taught that you say, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, right? Like that, you always say that. Mm-hmm. But but now kind of coming to the understanding that I can't just know with my eyes, you know, who that person is. And so, yeah. and so not not to go, and, and what's meant for even good intention, like it's mm-hmm. meant for respect. I say to pe- pe- people older and younger than me, I'm now realizing that, okay, I'm wiser now. I understand that what we see is not always what is. Yeah, what is maybe a better way to say that and so to just just instead of uh uh genderizing it you know i can just address that as a human as a person it doesn't have to be that Mm -hmm. level it doesn't have to be that thing Mm -hmm. and there was no bad intention yeah Mm -hmm. a lot of the people that we're going to come across in our daily lives there are they're not bad intentions they're just Mm -hmm. i I hate using the word ignorant because it sounds rude but yeah unlearned it's yeah. unknown- unaware they're unaware yeah they're unaware and what i have found is is that when people know they do better yeah 100 percent. and 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 we have to but it's hard oh my god mm-hmm. it's so hard right like like yeah. all of us like we got we got relatives that are like it's hard and especially hard in this society that if you say something oh you're just woke or oh you're just the you know and it, it, it's hard those yeah. are hard yeah but but good intentions mm-hmm. don't Good intentions don't don't change things. Yeah, like 
real tangible actions mm-hmm. behind so. yeah definitely and like you know it's to be like you know i i know I, i'm constantly learning and always learning and then of course you 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 should never stop learning you should never stop educating yourself the second you think you you know enough you know you're you're very wrong <laughs> you know you you should always you know be trying to like read a different perspectives you know all this kind of stuff and be you know in conversation and being aware of what's going on and like i said like um ask you know i mean if you're always unsure about something you know ask people of that group talk with people who have lived that experience but you know it's important just to ha- be okay with those uncomfortable conversations because those are the real change makers you know that is how we raise awareness that's how we make things known in like positive ways and this is how that we can you know not only like save right when and help fight the missing and murdered indigenous people the women the children the two-spirit individuals this is how we just fight for basic human rights across the board um and that's the importance at the end of the day like that is that is that's the goal the goal is for basic human rights across the board i mean of course we're discussing you know through the lens of indigenous peoples but but fighting for any human rights is fighting for all human rights and i think that's another important thing to remember um you know as we go through this go through the hard fight and, and it is hard and you know i recognize especially those like the elders of like the kota and other indigenous nations who have been who have been in the long fight for in the hard fight for a long time and we must also honor those who have been in it those who have the, those who have come before us those who started the fight and who have you know been going through it for decades and so that's super important as well but i mean i guess we could probably start wrapping up a bit over here with this you know we, we we talked about a lot but at, you know at the end of the day guys you we really want to make sure that you are aware of just what's going on with indigenous peoples and what's going on i mean yes i know it's primarily missing missing and murdered indigenous women but it's very much um expanded there's been like a high amount of two spirits who have been um murdered and have gotten missing as well and of course children which is kind of it's similarly but also like through our last discussion as well and you just gotta you know be aware of what's going on and like sean if you have like any closing kind of like uh you know closing remarks about you know what we can you know what our listeners can do and how they can be allies and just kind of like you know an ending little notes that'd be fantastic yeah. well first of all i'd say if you've made it this far in the podcast thank you because it's it's um it means that you care. You cared enough to keep listening. You care enough to to wanting to know the facts and know uh, simply how how you can you can help make uh, make a difference. And so we we thank you for that. We thank you for being a part of the solution. But the truth is, is that we are at war. Mm-hmm. We're literally at war to protect our most vulnerable people right now. And we need you. We need you. We need moccasins on the ground. We need feet on the ground. We need people who will stand with us. Um, people that will will go in hand in hand and simply hold the United States of America uh, to their own laws. We have at uh, Digital People's Movement, we have actually a, a petition that's up now mm-hmm. that is trying to pressure uh, Congress to put into their next budget extra funding for the Savannah's Act mm-hmm. um, that will go a long way to do that. Um, the easiest way to get to that is just go to indigenouspeoplesmovement.org, uh, click under Take Action, and you'll see a section for MMIW. Um, and, and click on there, help us just to look, you'd be surprised how much pressure that we're able to bring at, on these, on these, uh, house of representative member of Congress member senators, um, simply by, by making our voice heard, by making mm-hmm. our voice known and it's a start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I, I thank you for this platform because, um, this is what it's all about because I, I'm telling you the people listening to this podcast today, 
they're, they're our ancestors' wildest dreams. They're educated, they're motivated, and they're going to have the ability to, to change things for the better. The best day of the Lakota people, the best day of indigenous people is before us, not behind us. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be an allyship. I think mm-hmm. I may share this last time I'll share it again. The crazy horse prophecy that we stand by, that the Red Nation will rise again. And that people are going to come to us when the world is in chaos for the ancestral indigenous wisdom that has been passed down through our children and mm-hmm. our, our, from our elders to our children. Mm-hmm. And that that the ultimate part of that, though, the important part is that it says once we come together in unity, that the circle will be whole again. Yellow, red, white, black will be all one human circle again. But understand this, and I'll say this in closing. There is no justice for you or anyone else until there's justice for us as indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Because if we lose, the human race loses. Mm-hmm. And yep. vice versa, we've got to stand with each other. We've got to stand in, in harmony with one another. Thank you. And um, as we always say, Wopi Latanka, Doksha, thank you. And until we, until we meet again. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. And, you know, we're going to be sure to feature um, some music and we were given a allowance to use spring to come by digging roots. So we'll go ahead and play a couple snippets for the outro, but please give digging roots a check um, or uh, sorry, give them a, go give them a look. They're fantastic. Go give them a listen. They are a husband and wife duo based in Canada and they have fantastic music, but we're going to be doing our best to feature indigenous artists as our intro and outro. Once again, thank you. And please, please, please share this podcast, share it with your friends out there. So thanks everyone and have a great rest of your day. See you guys next time. And once again, we have spring to come by digging roots as our outro and we thank them for allowing us to use this wonderful song for our podcast please everyone if you haven't already go give them a listen and check them out thank you so much bye spring comes,